From the Underground Blood Match Screening Center on Sublevel 9, deep in Area 51, hello and welcome to TalkCast 306, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Enjoying every new band Target's toy because I can. I'm the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, the Gang of Four, in the Canton TARDIS Renewal Complex, our technical anarchist, for us uninformed peasants, uh, she deigns to press the buttons for us and does it well. It's our own girl genius, Kriana. I press all the right buttons. Multiple times, actually. From the stacks times of a, are necessary. From the stacks of her personal space in the Dank Dungeons Industrial Film Trailer Review Board. She's friend of robots everywhere, and with her nemesis, the mute button. Welcome, Sombrarian. I'm watching a video of polar bears destroying um, shoddily disguised cameras that were set up to record their behavior. And their behavior was, we're wrecking these mothers. Yeah. They're like, this isn't snow. I hate it. They just smash them. It's great. Returning from a three-week vacation at the La Brea Tar Pits Wildlife Animal Sanctuary in Dunking Tank, diligently searching for Lancelot, Link's secret chimp, our Midwest correspondent, the guy who likes shiny stuff, Awake by Java. Uh, the Barely Awake by Java. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you that got nothing. like you pooped, Java. <laughs> you got nothing. I get it. Don't we all podcast from our bathrooms? Uh, I, maybe I regularly do, but you, I don't but know about no. anyone else. The acoustics are fantastic. It, it used to be good for doo-wop music. Now it's just good for, well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Joining the podcast tonight, uh, uh, first of all, an old friend of the show, one of the creepiest writers we've ever met, John Palisano. John, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> It's been an interesting couple of weeks. We'll be talking about that in a second. Also joining us tonight, Jake Vanderett from Sprite Board Games. Jake, welcome. Thanks, Andrew. So we're going to be talking to Jake about Sprite Board Games in about 10 or 15 minutes. I want to start with John. John, how are you, my friend? I'm good. It's actually a very overcast and rainy gray day out in Los Angeles. Oh, so, so you got rain for a day? Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. The world kind of stops out here when it rains. Yeah. So, <laughs> so much I for six it. feet of snow and minus 10 degrees. It rained oh. and people were put out by it in LA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I grew up on the East Coast, so to me it's pretty pretty entertaining you know, because it's like 65 degrees and raining and people are like, why are you just wearing a t-shirt? I'm like, what? Uh, <laughs> Is that <yeah>. a question? <laughs> Seriously. Was that actually for real? Uh, first of all, congratulations, John, on being elected vice president of the Horror Writers Association of America. Thank you. Thank you. It's quite an honor and quite uh, a bit I, of work. <laughs> did you think it was this much work when they said, hey, would you like to do this? <laughs> I, you know, I, I've been friends with several of the presidents and they've told me stories. So I kind of knew what I was getting into. Um, but nothing really can prepare you for that switch. <laughs> do, do you get the free trip to Vegas? Yeah. Oh no, I don't get a free trip to Vegas. No. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a little bit too close and, and I also run the Los Angeles chapter. So I'm, um, running the, we're, we're having a party bus to Vegas too with our chapter. A so. party bus of horror writers that scares me just in concept. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. <laughs> um, they, they they may ask for an additional uh, insurance waiver, <laughs> and, and, and I think that's probably a good idea for them to do so. <laughs> Likely. Because <laughs> these guys, they all like to drink and they like to party, and they get a little, they get a little unhinged when they're away from the uh, uh, MacBook Pros. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we, like, we've ah! seen that firsthand with a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, well, congratulations, <laughs> my friend. It's a well-deserved honor. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. 
when we originally had John uh, booked to go on the show, I was we were I was kind of freaking out uh, at the Kickstarter for my peculiar family because we had kind of plateaued out and uh, we were, hadn't really done anything there for a couple of days. And I said, John, we need you to come on. We need you to talk about your story. We need you to talk about why why you did why you wanted to do the book and, and you know the challenges of doing it. And literally the day you said yes, we went over the top. Uh, so we yeah. have our our first funding goal. We're now in kind of a stretch goal mode for the next twelve days. But uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, why you decided to do my peculiar family. Well, first of all, it was you guys. You know that was a a massive selling point. Just to be able to work with you all was, was always, you know, well, thank really you. huge. Appreciate that. No, absolutely. I was like, oh man, you know, I'd love to, you know, do something with, 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 with that crew. And, you know, second of all, the concept is just undeniably cool, you know, with the, with the tin types and, you know, the found, the found story and the found object angle was really intriguing and just really sparked my imagination almost instantly. The story um, pretty much came to my, in my head in like, like 60 seconds after I saw the picture and I was like, oh, I couldn't wait to get to the... Because every writer has had like a, a different opinion of, quote, the first time they saw the picture. And I'm, I'm actually doing fucking air quotes here. What am I? This is not television, <laughs> it's radio. But I mean, every, you know, we had Rob Watts on the other night and he went, yeah, I looked at that picture for a week and, and then another week and then another week. And, you know, and, and other people have got new immediately. So with you, it was one of those immediate deals? Yeah. Yeah, um, I just heard pianist and saw the picture, and I was just like, I, I knew exactly. I knew his story. You so know, I thought the whole thing, the whole thing was just boom, <laughs> like a nuclear bomb. The story you wrote so, is called "The Space Between." Yeah, and um, it's the story it's, of William, who's a pianist, and yes. you, you you had those three things. And you came up with a story without giving away anything that's about. Right. Um, well, it's, 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 a, um, it's, it's, it's a concept with music. Um, I, I've, I've, I've played music for, for many, many years. And, you, you know, in, say, rock and roll, there's, a, there's hundreds of songs that are DAG. But it's not, you know, it's not what the chords are, but it's always that space between those chords that really, that's where that magic happens. We you know how much pause is there, what's creeping through the little breaths the singer makes that kind of draw you in and, and, and bring it somewhere else. And that to me was always this, that was the conduit to music always taking you to another place. Cause it wasn't just the mechanical notes. There was, there was other things happening when it was performed. Um, Think about something like the streets have no name by you too. When they sing it, it's triumphant. But if I were to sing it with an acoustic guitar, everybody would be out of the room in two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like um, it really depends on on you know I'd be playing the same notes and singing the same chords and hitting the same notes, but it wouldn't quite be the same. So I use that concept and I said, okay. Usually you go upwards with music. What if it went the other direction? What if it, instead of bringing people up, it went somewhere dark when those spaces opened up? And right there, that was the story. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been a really interesting process for me as kind of the anthologist here in... <clears throat> setting out all these, these pictures and putting names and putting uh, professions or concepts to them and then uh, watching them come back to life, you know, as each story uh, filtered its way into me via, the, uh, via email. And it was like, oh, so that's what William is about, you know? And it was, it's been really cool for, for me in that aspect. Has there, have you been surprised and have you also been, has anybody pretty much nailed what you thought it would be? Um, I have been literally surprised with every single story because cool. none of them have gone where 
you know, I, my pre preconceptions based on the pictures we sent out are so vastly different from what you guys came back with. It's just been amazing. Wow. Wow, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it has been for me. I mean, you know, my, my whole concept was uh, I got to invent China Dale. Uh, right. Okay. And, yeah. And for me, China was like, you know, this person who literally at the age of 17 uh, cut herself off from a family that hated her and she hated and reinvented herself and oh. and then had to come back uh, as the last living heir uh, to the family house and fortune. Uh, you know, this contemporary character gets lost in the past of a family she never knew. Huh. Interesting. And, and the weird part for me was when uh, Christopher Golden, who is one of my dear friends and, and just an amazing uh, uh, writer, wrote the wrong story. Huh. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, Chris ended up, I, I had, and I think I sent you, uh, I, I think I sent uh, a bunch of the authors, kind of a really hacky, it was a dark and stormy night story, uh, which is how China Dale gets the uh, registered letter that says, come home and, and uh, pick up your uh, family fortune. And Chris had, had read that and said, oh, this must be what he wants me to do. And he wrote the story of China Dale that was amazing. Uh, and actually, he's on next week, and we're going to talk about that again a little bit. But it was just so funny because uh, he, he was, when he realized that that wasn't what he was supposed to have done, and he put the time into it uh, already, uh, he shot me an email. He went, uh, I hope you can use this. If you can't, I'll understand. And... I kind of read it. I read the first sentence of it and went, we're done. One sentence <laughs> in, we're done. You win. I was wrong. Uh, so, yeah. Cool. Nothing has gone how I would have imagined it to. So, you know, it's it's just been wonderful for me to watch these all these characters come together and come alive. Wow. That's, what, a, what a delightful story. I mean, I'm dying to read that now. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I've got to tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the, it was a dark and stormy night one that I wrote and you can match it up. against what, what they wrote. And, uh, it's, it's, it's like, you know, the difference between an Etch-A-Sketch and the Mona Lisa. Uh, <laughs> cool. Wow. So, so what have you got coming up in the next, uh, couple of months? Anything, uh, new on the horizon for you at this point? Yeah, I've, I've, um, since I was last on the show, um, I've been working with Sam Hain, um, putting books out. And they put out um, Zombies in L.A. book last year for me, Dust of the Dead. We just put out Ghost Heart like two weeks ago or something like that, uh, which is vampires. It's my, my flip take on vampires where they don't live forever. Um, and they don't well, have they things. should, damn it. <laughs> I'm sorry? They shouldn't live forever. They have no right to live forever. No. And I, I thought, you know, why is that cool? You know, I mean, I, I, I kind of wanted to play into the whole um, celebrity kind of culture, you know, and, and, and the pitch was live fast, die young, and leave a good-looking corpse, you know, you know, uh, burn out and fade away. And so they live like kings and queens for several years, and then they their skin pales and they... they um, ultimately turn um, pretty much clear and you, that's when you can see the ghost heart and all their organs turn white and you can see it through their chest. Oh, nice. And that's why these beautiful blonde Adonises suddenly um, their, their hair darkens and they turn into goths and then they, they, they kind of fade away and they say they have the ghost heart they're about to go. Um, so it's a very different take on vampirism. Um, it's kind of like how the celebrities suck everybody dry and all the people <laughs> around them and, you know, it's, it's fun. <laughs> so it's like a very L.A. kind of book. You know, it, it it's it's actually based more in uh, uh, New York. Um, oh, wow. I grew up on the, yeah, I grew up on the East Coast, going to a lot of you know clubs at that time, and it's kind of based on that period of my life. I, I drew a lot out of that, like the industrial and um, you know early raves and stuff. Um, but it sure could be you know L.A. or anywhere you know with that kind of a culture going on. Um, so 
<laughs> it was it was a a fun book, but it's also difficult because it had to access what it felt like to be in love for the first time, like when you really had that strong love, like in your early twenties, and that was everything. Now I'm way past that, <laughs> <laughs> so it took it took a little bit of uh, projection to try and get back there. But um, and I have you know I've more stuff coming out with them and and with other publishers. I have some novellas coming out and a lot of short stories. So. Lots going on in, in the world of John. <laughs> well, it's John Palisano. He's the new new incoming vice president of the Horror Writers Association of the United States. One of his uh, short stories has been contributed to My Peculiar Family. The story is called The Space Between. John, I can't thank you enough for all of the, the hard work you've put in uh, to the story, to the project uh, with us. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Oh. And likewise, it's my pleasure. I believe tremendously in the project, and I want to see it uh, succeed beyond all of our expectations because I think it's it's fantastic. Well, so far we're doing okay, my friend. We're doing right. okay. <laughs> now we just have to hit the stretch goals. So we, we got to start just uh, hitting some stretch goals, and, and then you know, Barnes and Noble has to make us a hit or something. I'm not sure where it goes from there, but we're working on that part. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll get it there. <laughs> we just can't give up. <laughs> oh, after three years of this, I haven't given up. There's no giving up. Right. Just... <laughs> Joining us, I love that tenacity. <laughs> it, it's just I know I'm right. That's all. <laughs> all right. Well, that's the way it gets done <laughs> and gets out there. <laughs> uh, joining us now is uh, Jake Vanderend from Spriteborn Games. Jake, how are you, sir? I'm good. It's good to be here. Um, you know, I'm always flattered when anybody knows that I exist. <laughs> uh, I'm a one-man shop. I've got this random website on the internet, and uh, when I got the email, it's like, hey, you should come on the show. I'm like, who are you? How do you know that I'm here? Well, that's... <clears throat> I'm not sure exactly how we found you, to be honest with you, and I'm not sure which one of us actually found you. It was either Booking Monkey or Sir Sarah, uh, if you were at a small convention in, in Western Massachusetts a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah, Topodicon. Okay, then that's where we found you. Uh, Sir Sarah Lady Knight, who's one of our uh, co-hosts who's unfortunately not with us tonight, has, uh, was was down there kind of scoping out the, the, the people and, and the stuff going on. And she sent back uh, your information and then we started looking at your website, and as as went on uh, during the show, during during the pre-show, you heard everybody kind of looking at the website, going, "I want one of these," and "I want one of these." <laughs> yeah, it's so cool to me. You, I, I um, imagine you I, don't get to hear that very often. You know, people going. No, it's, it's really neat. Um, I think one of the coolest things is like when I do one of these one of these events. And somebody comes up to my table and they're like, hey, it's good to see you. I've, I've seen your stuff before. Like, how did you find me? This is so cool. Hey, uh, I, I run everything. I'm out of like a, an attic kind of office at home and I do all of my business online. Um, I kind of like come out of my cave here and there to do events. So let's talk about how this all started. Where, where did you start? Because this is kind of, it's not just games, it's crafts, it's, it's uh, stemware, it's, it's t-shirts, it's, it's all kinds of stuff. How did you start doing this? Oh, gosh. Um, it all kind of goes back to this article that I saw where somebody was making shirts using bleach. Um, they used a stencil and they would spray the shirt with bleach and like fade away their design. And I was like, that's really cool. Um, I did that for a few months and eventually people online were like, where can I buy these? And I hadn't really considered that. So I made like a store overnight and uh, it's kind of gone from there. I got into glassware. I got into vinyl decals. Um, and then a couple years ago, I got this laser. I have a 60 watt laser in my okay. office. Well, let's let's talk about that for a minute. You went from like, <laughs> you know, uh, kind of a, a cottage industry to you, you went like almost immediately into mad scientist mode with with a laser. I think I've always been in mad scientist mode. Oh, okay. But, um, <laughs> I was doing uh, I was doing these vinyl. I had like a vinyl cutter like, with, with a little 
knife blade kind of thing. And yeah. um, I was making decals, and I was using, like, the inverse of a decal to stick on a glass and paint it with, like, the little etching cream you can get at Michael's or whatever. Um, and it occurred to me, I was like, if I want to do more consistent work, if I want to do more detailed work, uh, I've got to move on to the laser. It's the only thing that I can do that would be more detailed than what I've got going on. So it made sense, and I, I got it to continue my glass work, and it took me like a month to realize that I could cut acrylic. It's like, oh man, I can make board game pieces. I can just cut pieces out and make up rules, and I can have a game, and I can just put it on my store. There's nothing stopping me from going from idea to an actual thing that I can like create and mail to people. So you created Yomi's Gate. Yes, that's my first game. Um, game of samurai and demons, and it reminds me ultimately of chess, go, and and something else I'm not quite sure of. Uh, but it, it's um, it comes from this idea of uh, what would I do if I made this old Avalon Hill bookshelf game called Feudal. <laughs> um, what would I do if I tried to make that game and then did it differently? How would I change it? I mean, all, that's like the seed for the idea. Um, so it is a lot like chess. It is a little bit like go. It's a lot like feudal. Um, it's kind of just inspired by all these games that I played as a kid. My dad was a huge board gamer. He was um, his Coast Guard. So he would always take these big war games on the ship when he'd go away for like a month or two. And he played board games all the time. Um, so this was my chance to be like, hey, I've had all these ideas stewing in my head for decades now. Let's turn it into something. Let's make a game. So you use the laser to create the board, create the pieces. Uh, my God, it's intricate, isn't it? Even the box. Yep. Yeah. It's all everything. Like the rule was I have to make it all at home. I'm going to make something myself if I'm going to do like this indie thing. The entire game has to be craftable myself. Um, the only exception is the rule book, which is downloadable. So that's like it's hosted on my website. It's still kind of thing that I did. Um, my friend did all the design work. She's a brilliant designer. I just sent her like blocks of text and diagrams and she turned it into a great rule book. So it's all like self-contained. I don't have to go to a printer. I don't have to go to a production company. It's pretty neat. It's kind of... And I shudder to say it, but the deluxe edition is really a work of art. Thank you. No, it's it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, from from, from the characters to the board uh, to the beautiful uh, black acrylic Gate figures. Oh my god. Uh yeah, the Tory Arch is a is a favorite. I really yeah. like that too. I mean, seriously, you could sell some of those pieces separately. You know, for somebody who just wanted like the little black arch or the little clear acrylic arch. Or or, you know, five or six different character acrylic characters. It's just really there are a few of them. I think like the uh the infantry Cavalry, pikemen, and archers are all listed on their own. Um, and I, I don't sell the whole thing because if you want it all, I just buy the game. Um, but yeah, I do like if you want like eight little samurai to use in Carcassonne, I have eight little samurai you can buy. It's just really, really, really. Uh, <clears throat> How long did it take you from inception to design? to forcing the laser to do what you wanted it to do, to uh, getting the first complete uh, deluxe set done. What was that time frame? Oh, geez. Um, So I got the laser in February of the year that I got it. Um, I started making pieces in March. Um, I had, there was this weird thing that happened. Um, all of the blanks for all of the different things that I made, the shirts, the glasses, coasters, every single blank was somehow delayed. I don't remember if it was a blizzard or if there was something wrong with the warehouses that I used, um, but I ended up with like 10 days where I couldn't do anything else. And I was like, well, I could do nothing. I could just sit and like 
read books and play games, or I could do something totally different, and I could dig into this game that I've been wanting to make. So I did. I did that. I um, I designed the individual pieces for all of the samurai and the oni. Um, I did all of the initial rules based on like these vague ideas that I had written down for a while. Um, and I prototyped the whole thing in about two weeks. And wow. most of it was garbage. <laughs> oh, no. I brought it to playtesting. I threw out so much stuff. Um, and I was like, this is going to be way harder than I thought. And um, I worked on both factions for a little while, and that was really tough to do. So I eventually was like, you know what? I'm going to get the samurai right. I'm going to do that first, and I'm just going to do samurai. Um, and I worked on that for six months or so. I had like an early access kind of thing online, um, and I submitted it to South by Southwest. Um, it was the first festival that had free as the submission site. So I was like, let's do it. Let's see what happens. It'll be a, it'll be good practice, right? You know, I can package my game up as something presentable and I can show it to somebody. I'm not there to teach it. It'll be a good exercise. So I'm coasting along. It's been like nine months and I get an email in January that's like, congratulations, you're nominated in the gaming awards. You're coming to Austin in March. Wow. Like, holy shit. My first game, (laughs) my first submission, uh, this thing that I've just like conjured up in, in an attic, um, and now I'm like, I really need to release this. I need to finish this by the time South by Southwest comes around. I've got two months to do it. And so I just crunched for two months straight. I did, you know, the box. I put all of the text together for the instructions. I tested the Oni nonstop. Um, and it was intense. And I don't think I would do that again. Um, but it, it worked. It, all in all, it took me about a year, beginning to end, including the two hellacious months leading up to Texas. Now everything, <clears throat> and this this is kind of the cool part, is that everything on your website, everything in your store, you did. It's just not like you know, here's something by this guy, here's something by this guy, here's something by the company. But the company is just you. So, <laughs> it is. Um, I've tried to do some collaborations here and there, um, and that's cool. I like it when that when that happens, like the Towerfall stuff that I do. I worked with Amora. Um, she did all the, the concept art for Towerfall. Um, there's some stuff by Ben Hackey on there. I was going to ask cool. about that. Yeah. Uh, did he provide the designs for like, uh, uh, there's all yeah, kinds so of posters and things that, yeah, really nice stuff too. He did ink work and he was doing things for, um, Inktober. It was a popular hashtag that was going around and I just happened to see his stuff and I was like, wow, I really like your work. That's my um, new favorite thing ever. Would- Inktober? What? It's the best. It is wonderful. I am Googling this um, literally right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, not, he's actually not the only artist I've met through like that hashtag, which is super cool. Um, so yeah, I took his face stuff. Excuse me, I need to put on the Bob work. Almond sign. It's like the bat sign, but for inkers. No way. Okay, well, shout out to Bob Almond once again. Come on, it's awesome. There's uh, inkers are the best. It's really cool. Sorry, go on. Yeah, it's really neat stuff, and it, it lends itself to lasering really well because it's all solid black. There's no shades of gray. Um, there's no weird technical stuff going on in the background. It's just what you see is what you get. Um, so we did that. That was actually my first foray into lasering wood, which is really fun. And I totally want to make a game that's all wood at some point. Oh wow. Yeah, I can see I can see that definitely with all the laser etching the way the way you do it. And how did you get into the glass work? The glass work was uh kind of random. I was like I said I was doing the decals and I just thought like what if I use a decal backwards? Like I was peeling out of these decals and I thought like what if I did the opposite of peeling it out and I did the other part what can I do with that? And, and putting it on glass just kind of made sense. I don't know. I feel like a lot of my work is just kind of an accident. Like I'm doing something weird and I try something new and it just kind of works and I uh, follow it where it goes. 
Well, I've, I've got to tell you that uh, it's like you, see, you you go through your your web store, and it is the most amazingly cool random feel to it. It's like, hey, I can do this. Oh, I can also do this. Is this cool? Because I can do this too. And then you're doing T-shirts and and coasters and, and etching in wood and etching in glass, and uh, then I, I stumbled across Breaker Blocks, which is kind of a game unlike something I've never seen before, where you, you create circuits. Did you say it was unlike mm-hmm. something you've never seen before? Unlike anything I've never there seen. There you go, okay. <laughs> so, you've um, never seen I, anything like where I you create did... circuits, though? Well, I've never seen I, a um... game like this, no. All right. So I did South by Southwest, and I had a whole weekend of showing off Yomi's Gate. And one of the cool things about Yomi's Gate is that you have these big map tiles and they can be rotated and fit together in a bunch of different ways to make a new map for every game. And to do that, they lock together with these little tabs. And what I found at the show was people really liked that part of the game, but that's only involved in setup. They like that, like, thunk as you stick these together and it, like, stays on the table. Um, so as I was driving home from the show, because I, I drove from Pennsylvania to Texas, I had three days to think about it. And I was like, what if <laughs> yes, I made a whole did. game? That's all that. Uh, so that's that's actually what Breaker Blocks is. It's what if I made a whole game that was entirely about interlocking tabs? Um, it was like, well, why would you be interlocking things together? Well, maybe you're building something. Well, why is that a game? Maybe you're trying to build something better than the other person's stuff. And have I kind you, of have just you actually stuff seen... Like they have things where you actually do just stick them together and build things like actual, not, not just like inert blocks that are concepts of things, but actual things. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the magnets and and things like that. Um, no, they're electronic. Hang on. Let me find this for you because I thought it was pretty cool when I saw it. It's like for almost kind of like for kids. But it's like oh yeah yeah I know what you're talking about. Can I show about. these to you? Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah it all has they're like little blocks with circuits and things in them, and you can make cool stuff like alarms and lights. Yeah, Where did little bits or something or like camp that for I toys for tops this Christmas. We that got like right. we got a little... dollhouse toy, but the fun part of it was that you could wire it for electricity. <laughs> now also the dangerous no, part. No, no, this is not what I saw. Okay. The other one is cam bits, I think. Try that. Um, they're blocks. And they've got different sensors and things in them. They go together mm-hmm. with magnets. There's there's about 17 on the market. Yeah, right? yeah. There's, there's like a whole bunch of different ones. They're kind of really, really, really cool. It's a good way to introduce children I, to the concept. Unsurprisingly, of had a lot of that stuff as a kid. Hard to believe. Absolutely hard to believe. Uh, seriously, Jake, this is one of the most innovative uh, games slash uh, uh, collectibles slash I don't know how the hell to express it actually sites uh, we've seen in a long time. It's <laughs> really, you. I don't know how to express it either. Yeah, uh, actually, so one of, the, one of the hardest things about running it is that it's like I do all these different things. Like I do. I do the games, I do the glassware, I make trophies for our uh, our monthly jam competitions in the city, and it's like, how do I tell people that? Like, I have a laser, I shoot it at things. Like, today I shot it at cardboard, and I lit some things on fire. Yay! That's the best! <laughs> Sounds like a good day to me. <laughs> it's a Wednesday, you know? <laughs> Wednesday is light stuff on fire day. <laughs> So what's what's going on in the near future for you? What have you got coming up? Well, I um, I got really lucky again, and I got in South by Southwest a second time, which is pretty cool. Um, this time I'm going with Breaker Blocks, and that will be there in Austin in March. Wow, congratulations. Got about a month cool. left. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be showing my game off to like 50,000 people, and... It'll be fun. It'll be good. So what what do you get to do there? Do you, no do you pre-sell? None whatsoever. Do you pre-sell the <laughs> game? 
Um, so they give you a table, like a booth space, and they're like, you can do whatever. People have to be able to play the game. Um, oh, the award nice. category I'm in is not decided in advance. Like, it's not voted on online. Um, people who actually go to the show vote on the game that they like playing the most. So I'm going to be running games of Breaker Blocks all weekend, trying to get people to vote for it. Um, I will have copies for sale. You know, I make everything on the website. I'll bring a bunch in advance. I'll probably do some cool promotion. Uh, like when I did Yomi's Gate, I did like the first 10 ever made. I auctioned them off over the course of the show, and that was really cool. Um, I'll think of something cool for Breaker Blocks. I don't know what yet. Um, I can't tell you. Oh, oh, there was one other thing I wanted to ask. Do you, if somebody said to you, I have this really cool thing, can you etch me off a bunch of glasses of it? Do you do yeah, that? Do you I take actually, commissions like that? that? Um, I have custom listings on the website. Um, I actually just finished a big batch of stuff for Mongol. He has a band and he has a logo and he's like, let's put this on glasses and shirts and coasters. I did. It's pretty fun. Very cool. Very cool. Um, are you planning on going to uh, any other conventions where people can see you this uh, during this next convention uh, cycle? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I'm waiting to hear back from some things. Um, we've always got local stuff going on. Uh, we have a thing in the city called Philly Death Night. I'm there every week. I usually bring all my new stuff there. Uh, and we also have a thing called Game Makers Guild, um, which is also Philadelphia. Uh, larger events, I don't know. kind of depends on what I get into. There's a whole lot of conventions farther north. Hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, if you... There's at least one big one that I'm hoping to go to. There, there's one in New and York, but there's, but there's one in Boston as well. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. In any case, I love Boston. Well, we do too, and we're from there. So, <laughs> Boston, Boston Comic Con, in fact, is one of our sponsors. So, for full disclosure, um, I can't tell you how cool it is. This is almost it has a, a Renaissance man type feel to me, where you go where you want to go, and people seem to be attracted to it because it, it's different and it's very unique and very special jake uh thank you so much for joining us man thanks again for having me it's really cool and uh we will have links to all of uh uh your your website and your games and your store and uh, people you need to click you need to go through you need to look at it enough said because it, it's really cool stuff and if he comes to a convention near you check it out it's just Absolutely amazing. Kriana. Kriana. Yes. It's time for the news. You could just say, and now it's time for the news. I know, but you were very quiet there, and I thought you were actually asleep. I wasn't actually sure at that point. I'm not asleep. Okay, good, good, good. So, guys, where do we want to talk about? Who wants to go where for what? Kind of dehydrated. Okay, so you need a drink. I get you. Uh, Other than that, I got nothing. Okay. Well, here's something you're all going to hate. Neil Gaiman? No, it's not Neil Gaiman. Not this week. It was a good guess, though. <laughs> it's Gwen Cooper. Oh. Evie. <laughs> Evie Miles in an interview this week said, if Torchwood ever comes back... Which we it will hope be, it never does because they ruined it. Thank you. It will be without Gwen Koopa. Okay, then it can come back anytime. Well, see, that's what I thought you would say at that point. Well, I mean, who's left then at that point for real? But, but there's no way there will be any Captain Jack. Yeah, so let's just put that one to bed and leave it there. I think after the last series that they went through, there's there's... No place else to go with I it. I never even finished that one, honestly. Really? Yeah. I okay. may not even have finished the one before it. Oh. The miniseries no. was stupid. There were two of I mean, them, though. The very last one, you mean? I There was another one? Yeah, there was one where... Um, 
everyone couldn't die. And that I'm was sorry, one. I just fell asleep. And that was the one I couldn't. That was the one I couldn't finish. It was the one before that that I did finish, and I wish I hadn't. So. Yeah. No. It was <sighs> exactly. So there, there's nothing much else to deal with there with that. Uh, I wanted to just very briefly send my congratulations to uh, C.J. Cherry, otherwise known as Carolyn Janice Cherry, who has just been named uh, Science Fiction Writers of America Grandmaster. And uh, if anybody deserves it, it's certainly her. Her body of work is absolutely amazing. And uh, the, the classiness by which she writes is just unparalleled by most writers today. It's, this is a well-deserved honor for her, and, and congratulations. Yeah, let's get her on the show. That's never going to happen, but, you know, let's give it a try. Well, I haven't insulted her yet, so it could happen. No, I know, I know, but once you do uh, it, over, you realize. I mean, once you do, I probably won't. No, you probably won't, because she's amazing. Okay. I'll take your word for it. This Good. time. Please do. Zombra again? I always wondered how to say that name. What? CJ Chera. Yeah. Chera. 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 Am I the only one who always thinks China Mieville is a lady? He's not. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't know. Every time I see the name, I'm just like. Oops. Whoops. Whoopsie doodles. <laughs> <laughs> Java, you want to talk about uh, the new Harry Potter book at all, or, or not? Um, or are you just too tired at this point? <laughs> there's a new Harry Potter book. Yeah, it's so, not a book. Oh it, my god, Java! Was, no, it it is a book. Well, no, it's well. It was a play that was written in in conjunction with a couple of playwrights in London, and it showed in London, but it's being made into a novel. And no, it brought... hasn't showed in London yet. Well, it is showing in London. No. Okay, yes, it did. why don't you just say what it is then? It's, it, the play is debuting the day before the book comes out. Okay, so neither the play or the book is out yet. Yet. Okay. So there's this play, and then it's be it's also going to be a book, and then we can buy the book on the 31st of July, and the play comes out on the 30th of July. So if you feel like flying to London to watch a play, you can do that, or you can buy the book on the 31st the next. But day. the book is not a novel; it's just a script. I thought it was a novelization. I was no, it is the script of the play published. Okay, so the real question is. When is Daniel Radcliffe starring in the movie? Hopefully not nude, hopefully without a horse. <laughs> well, it's not actually about him. It's about his son, James. But Still. Gotta have a Daniel Radcliffe part in it. It's gotta be there. It's it's not Harry Potter without... He has to be all like, Daddy! Harry, Harry Just like Potter. that. Just like that. Just like that? They should talk to Star Wars about how that worked out. Yeah, they should, shouldn't they? No, they because they kind of screwed that the pooch on that one, but I'm, I'm just whatever. How? Well, let's make something With without what? the characters everybody loves. Yay! <laughs> I haven't heard about this because nothing exists as far as I'm concerned. Uh. <laughs> yes, I've noticed that. People are the worst. So I, I'm intrigued, Java, by something that you dropped into the document this week. Uh, why is it nice that Brian Fuller is taking over the new Star Trek TV series? Because he's pretty cool. He's a pretty cool guy. He's if you, pretty if chill, you, dude. If you, ever, if you ever saw Pushing Daisies, that was his show. Oh, I yeah, love that I show, actually. Love that show, yeah. Uh, it's a pretty good he, show. He also wrote for Deep Space Nine. Uh, I hated that show. Which, which is not, like, the best uh, you no, know. it is the so best. So that's like one point for, one point against. What else have you got? Uh, well, the the episodes that he wrote for for Deep Space Nine were the for as as far as I'm con concerned, some of the good ones like the Darkness and the Light. But after he did Deep Space Nine, 
Deep Space Nine, he uh, worked on Voyager, and Voyager yeah. was fantastic. Voyager's he wrote good. he wrote twenty two episodes for Voyager. So oh, he has, good. We can we can all agree that Voyager yeah. was good. He uh, and he hasn't touched Star Wars since Voyager, which is pretty much the last time it was. Okay. You mean Star Trek? And then he knew, and he, he did Dead Like Me, which was fantastic. Which was good, yeah. Very Pushing good. Daisies, which was fantastic. And he mm-hmm. did Hannibal, which I still haven't seen because I'm not interested. I can't get through it. I can't get through it. I just like get bored and stop listening, and then I'm like, well, I'm lost now when I pick but, it back up. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing that's really interesting, as far as I'm cons- I'm concerned, um, with with Brian Fuller taking over. He's he's a fan, which is important. Very. Uh, but he wa- he had an idea. What? He had an idea for a Star Trek show, and he went to CBS and said, "Hey, I've got an idea for a Star Trek show, and um, I want to do some something new uh, with some old stuff in it, like maybe a little bit more of the retro, the original series stuff, oh, and maybe cool. start." looking at ways that we can f- pull in some of the same kinds of social issues that were talked about in the original series and in Next Generation so that we can have episodes of the new series that aren't just action hero Mike, whatever we call him. Um, so diverse casts, social pro- uh, progressive social commentary, um, things like that. Very well nice. boring, well-written. Yeah. It, we'll we'll see. You know, he's. Um, well, I assume that's the goal. He's got a good style for his shows, um, and so we'll see. Pushing Daisies was so, it always had such a little smarmy feel to it that was just so wonderful. Well, like, and, the, and and this is one of the things that makes me think. Okay, I will pay to see that. Oh, this is going behind the paywall, isn't it? Yeah, this is the, this is the paywall series now. But see, before I heard that Brian Fuller was taking over, um, or was going to run it, be the showrunner, I, I had no interest in it. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't. But now, see, I don't know. See, the whole paywall thing still pisses me off. Still pisses me, and it's gonna have to, if if it's going to work at all. That first premiere episode that's going to show on CBS, uh, regular. Better be good, because if it isn't spectacular, it's not going to draw anybody behind it. Yeah, you're so, right. They're, they're definitely got their work cut out for them, no question about it. But yep. you know, Fuller could could do an interesting thing. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm open to it. I'm I'm a little bit more um, open than I was before. So uh, I'm more open to this than I was to J.J. Abrams ruining two Star Trek movies. But yeah, there's that. <clears throat> Trying to think if there's anything else we really want to talk about tonight. Uh, Agent Carter got canceled, but that's a shame. <clears throat> but the day after uh, Agent Carter got canceled, ABC uh, changed their direction. So we don't know what's going to happen with that. Huh. We'll talk about that next week or the week after. Kriana, what's going on in the next couple of weeks? Well... I'll tell you what's going on. Something. Um, actually, but seriously, next week, Jessie Zabarski is going to talk about her comic, Witchlight. And we also have Chris Golden, my favorite author in my peculiar family, except for, you know, all the other ones. They're all my favorite. <laughs> except, for fin- except for fingernails. <laughs> we don't speak of the such things. Then on March 5th, we're having Rob Smales to talk about his new book, Echoes of Darkness. At this point, I usually say Sir Sarah, and we talked about having her record this, so I really think we should. So it's not just all me. But Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, BooksandBooze.com, and ComicArthouse.com. Visit Comic Art House for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out more of their grooves on LawrenceMadeMeCry.com. Tonight's intro music provided by Rob Watts. <coughs> Check out more of his creations at RobWattsOnline.com. Doom. 
I want to thank our guest, John Pelisano, Vice President of the Horror Writers of America, and Jake Van End, Vice President of Sprite Board Games. Everybody's a Vice he, President! He's a Vice President? I thought he was the only one in the company. Doesn't he get to be President? Well, he could be, but he, he wants to be the president. Wants. He, you he get all the titles. You get all the titles, just whichever one you want to pick. Shredder. He could be Ombudsman. He could be <laughs> all of them. <laughs> I like that one. You should choose that one. I want to thank our cast for joining us tonight and actually being awake for most of the show. The sweetheart of the South, Triana, and woman of words, Zombrarian. Thank you much, ladies. Yeah, well, bite me. Yeah, yeah. Back from the shadows into the yogurt. Thank you, Java. Mm-hmm. He's still asleep. This is Dome saying, Terry, <laughs> shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody.